Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another installment of the Comics Pals Book Club. I'm Marco, joined here by Phil and Sean. And hello, hello. This month, uh, we're going to be talking about Alex Plus Ada by Jonathan Luna and Sarah Vaughn, uh, an image title that I found a couple years back. Um, a quick overview it's a sort of robot love story that uh, takes a, a cool and close examination into AI, um, something that I like to geek out about, so something that I wanted to share with my pals here. That's us. That is you, Phil. You, you, are, you are correct. That's what <laughs> I imagine. 011011. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Don't let Sean the human know. Oh, my God. <laughs> How do you know I'm a human? Maybe I'm just so good at pretending to be sentient that you think I'm human. None of us passed the Turing test, okay? <laughs> <laughs> or any test for that matter. Damn. That's why we're here. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, the books that we took a look at, uh, it's volumes one and th- one through three of Alex plus Ada. That's issues one through 15. So if you guys want to pick that up, read along. Um Please definitely do. You can stop it here, go pick that up, and then come back and join us. Um, Before we dive in, I just want to let you guys know where you can find us as well as where you can get more of these book clubs. We're on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, uh, wherever wherever you listen to it, we're probably there. And if not, let us know. Um, You can also find us on all over the web at The Comics Pals on Twitter, Instagram, (laughs) Facebook. Uh, and you can visit our website at thecomicspals.com as well as our YouTube channel uh, where we have a couple interviews. So, first question, what do you guys know about robots? Everything. All oh, right. Sean, hit us, hit us. <laughs> uh, no, that, that was a joke answer. I'm sorry, I... that was a joke question. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, uh, but what, the, the, actual, the actual question is, what do you guys know about AI and what is your familiarity about sort of the conversation uh, around that? I reject the question. I'm answering the first one. They're made out of metal. Sometimes they have two legs, but they can have more. Sometimes they do the dance that's the robot. I don't know if you know about that. It was popular in the 1980s. But also what I know is they can definitely not feel emotions except for the one from Futurama. That one definitely feels stuck. Extensive knowledge. Told you. You covered pretty much everything. Thank you. And also, uh, I don't know if you guys know this at home, but I personally drive a car that's Truckasaurus. It's that giant robot dinosaur thing. That's my personal way of transporting to work and back. Interesting. That's that's cool because it also uh, looks like your ex. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah, Sean. She was less cold. Actually, she was more cold. Hi oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> but to, to, to answer the actual serious question, I've actually been strangely obsessed with AI and uh, technology of that nature since I was a little kid. My two favorite movies of all time happen to be Terminator 2 and The Matrix. And um, and I think in large part, it's because of their representations of AI and the conversations that those movies have internally and forced me to have with myself about AI and an artificial intelligence future in which, you know, human beings and machines live together and machines don't necessarily simply exist 
to uh, further the goals of human beings. And that's a conversation that I am fascinated about. And um, I'm always interested in finding media that talks about that on some level in some way. I, so I was very happy to read this. I robot. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. Uh, yes. Well, thank you for that uh, uh, extensive answer, Phil. And then Sean, if you want to read up a little bit more, you should probably take a, a, a note from uh, Phil here with uh, with regards to AI. So um, <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I appreciate it. No, no. Um, I appreciate that because I, I also enjoy it for, similarly for like those same reasons, right? Uh, it's like a new way of exploration um, that isn't organic based, and I think that's sort of the the appeal for me and the appeal for this book, which is. So an examination of what happens when you sort of mix those two. Um, so diving into just this first volume, uh, it sort of introduces you to this world, right? Of technology, of uh, AI sort of off the bat. And it's a sort of near future story, which I enjoy because you get to sort of, you know, look at what the possibilities could be, not necessarily what you might want them to be in the future that happens with sci-fi sometimes. Yeah. Um, and um, I think I, I, I don't, I, I guess for me, I'm not the type of person that's, um, I'm, I'm not the type of person that is like interested in the, um, I guess the technology aspects of AI where it's like the, the, the nitty gritty of it. And I'm not, uh, you know, tech, I'm not a anarcho primitivist or whatever. Uh, <laughs> and that's like, I'm anti-technology. Otherwise, we wouldn't be recording this. Um, I I guess I'm more into it in the in the kind of uh, philosophical way that's explored in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminded me of a few things in pop culture. It reminded me of a Black Mirror episode called "Be Right Back." Oh uh, yeah, with Haley Atwell and Domino Gleason. It's very similar to that because it's about a corporation that ships. Uh, androids to your house created by Dr. Jarreau to, to kill Son Goku and friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it also reminds me of one of my favorite movies. Uh, this one I think does a really good job of exploring kind of the nature of sentience and, and free will and self-determination which is Ex Machina. Yes. Oh, okay. By Alex Garland, I, which both, by the way, both the Black Mirror episode and this movie have Domino Gleason in it because he's a robot. <laughs> Shit! It's funny that you mention Ex Machina because a I love that movie to death, and b I was listening to the soundtrack of that oh, movie right. while I was reading this. Nice. Oh, that's rad as shit. Um, yeah, Bunsen Burner is the the best track on that album. But anyway, <laughs> damn. We could wrap this shit up. I'm I'm spent. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the, I, I like the implication of like, okay, so you created life, which is inherently kind of like a, a biblical kind of proposition, right? Because it's like in 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 uh, in stuff like the Bible or the Quran or the Torah or any of these kind of literature, uh, you know, God creates man, he creates all the animals. But what makes man different from all the animals is that man has the ability to uh, cognitively determine what they're going to do in their day day life. Now, philosophically, there are a ton of people and philosophers who question the nature of free will. That's neither here or there. But with with AI, it's it's that whole it's a classic literature trope of like, uh, we've become God, 
and we've created life beyond our own ability to procreate with have children and i really like the moral implication of that and i like it's, it's kind of like that jurassic park thing of uh we have the ability to but should we right and that's always explored in stories like this so it's extremely my shit did this um well i know this scratched an itch for you but like how did you guys perceive the book as you guys read it like what, what were your feelings about the book okay i'm glad you asked marco i read it and i thought this is the horniest book i've read in a while checks, um, <laughs> checks on brand exactly one there was so much sexual tension between alex and Edith throughout the book until they finally bone in issue 10 i think love it and most of all the grandma was thirsty hell as yeah <laughs> that was one horny woman yo i was so like it, it, it's funny because i when i first read it i didn't really realize or maybe i just kind of forgot about it but upon reading it i had the same thought i'm like yo this grandma's down to fuck <laughs> seriously her what was it her sunday love sessions or some shit what was the other? She used some like young people terminology too. Oh, did she? I don't. I don't remember. Either that. way, it made me think uh, this grandma's hip, or this is an old. This is a woman who was a millennial who turned old, and this is a little bit down the line. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. That was my impression because she's old, but she's old like in the future. So she's, you know, like if you think about our time right now, she's probably around our age. You know? Yeah, probably equally thirsty. She's young yeah. at heart. And there was some good dialogue the there with her. Because I, I, I don't mean to get stuck on Marco's uh, horniness, but um, I, I like the whole, like, Grandma, what are you doing? This is so unlike an elderly person. But she's like, she just don't understand what it's like when all your friends are gone. Yeah, that was heavy. I was like, shit. Um, so the book opens up on um, on Alex sort of, coming in and coming out of a relationship and he's depressed he's sort of trying to find his way find his footing um it's been a couple months but he's still having trouble sort of getting over it and dealing with everything uh his grandma gets him uh an ai uh tanaka 5 x5 and uh from there he activates her he has her as sort of company um to keep around and to keep him entertained but the story sort of picks up when he decides that you know this isn't something that he wants in the sense that he doesn't want somebody to keep him company he wants somebody to interact with and it's uh interesting in the first time how it's juxtaposed compared to his grandma whose grandma just wants somebody for company because the the intentions and the wants are the complicated parts of this series uh are, are, are the complicated parts of humans and it's easier to be able to contain them and to uh manage it if you don't have those things which is exactly what uh is appealing about the non-sentience in the sense right you don't have to worry about that stuff but alex wants that because that's what he's he's craving he, he still needs that sort of interaction um the way that the book sets up the world how how believable do you find it or how uh, i guess how does it make sense for you guys it does it so in the Animatrix, they show you how, uh, why things got where they got with, you know, with, with what happens in the movies. The Animatrix has 
some episodes in it. It's it's like a it's a it's an animated version of like several episodes that take place in the Matrix world, and a few of them show you how we got to this point, and it shows you that before everything went bad, human beings and robots. They didn't, they didn't live together. They didn't coexist. Robots worked for humans. But there were a lot of people who were uncomfortable with that. And so, essentially, uh, robots were being killed for no, for no reason um, until a robot decided to fight back. And things progressed from there. So, I actually read this book as a prequel to The Matrix. Oh, interesting. Um it, it, I don't think that there was a copying going on. It's just that they were very, very similar to the point where it was easy, very, very easy for me to understand where everyone was coming from because I've seen this already. But this story puts a more, it's more about the relationship between two people. Like at the heart of it is Alex and Ada and, it, it, it you know, these questions about uh, can you love a robot or, or you know, do they have are they people even though they're not humans all that stuff and i feel right at home in that conversation mm-hmm. so mm. the language of it and the setting of it and everything else was exactly what i would want from a story like this and never once did i feel lost i actually think that the creative team did a really really good job establishing what needed to be known to live in this world Without diving into some things that you might care about that you don't really need to know. They, they didn't get into the minutia of, well, what's the state of geopolitics in sure. whatever year this is? What year is it? You know, like they didn't dive into all that, which I appreciate. And I, and I kind of feel like uh, this is rooted in, uh, I mean, within the last few years, we've had that episode Black Mirror, the movie Ex Machina and all this stuff. And I feel like it's all rooted in the fact that there's so many articles coming out of, you know, major technology magazines and stuff like that about how we're getting closer and closer to having, like, sex robots. And uh, the, the, the state of robotics in general is becoming more and more sophisticated. Now, obviously, I don't know how close we'd be to creating, like, sentient machinery or whatever, but it, it's clearly rooted in this popular science fiction that, uh, seems like it's becoming closer and closer to reality. Um, as I, I, I don't, I also didn't feel like I was confused by it because Sean, I think, kind of summarizes it pretty eloquently in saying that it, it's it's such a popular trope of of story at this point that you feel pretty well versed in all the consequences of it and all that stuff. Um, I I like what you said, Marco, about how for Alex, it's not enough to just have a person that's hot to like live with, and because I think that type of robot, the there's only two types of people that would live with a person a robot like that, uh, a, a complete narcissist who's like, well, yeah, of course you're right, <laughs> like if you like it, I like it, <laughs> like you have to be right. a complete narcissist to live with someone like that, or you're just the most horned up motherfucker who just wants a pretty face to be able to bang every night marco yeah oh (laughs) um so i do like the idea that like alex who it's it's almost like for him this is this is a purpose for him to get over the loss of his relationship that he had with this woman claire uh by 
kind of bring in the existence of this robot uh, by giving her ascensions and in doing that, developing a relationship with her. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, I want to I want to tangle with you a little bit about the premise <laughs> that there are only two types of people who would you know want a robot like this. I think one of the underlying themes of the book is 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 loneliness and how these robots can fill a void that quite frankly a lot more people than we're even comfortable with talking about are experiencing in real life and i don't i mean this is like a way bigger question than we need to answer here but i don't see anything wrong with wanting companionship and guess what in, in human beings don't owe you anything you know but if you can purchase a robot that's gonna you know be there for you that's gonna hang out with you and you know be into what you're into even if it's superficial i could see how that would be therapeutic you know um we 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 get pets for the same reasons so I feel like they're very similar. You know what? You said you wanted to tangle with me, and you did the you're going toe to toe with the wrong guy here, buddy. Because guess what? I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, that's completely valid. That was in the book. The grandma felt that way. You're right. Uh, but uh, I kept thinking of the neighbor who wanted to bang Ada. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. But he's, he's like, oh, what creep. model is it? Yeah, all that the creepy dude. Um. Uh, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying. I, For me, this world is believable because it felt so close. It felt like, you know, it could be something that happens in the next 10 years. And I appreciate that because it feels like it draws from an informed, it comes from an informed place as well. Um, to your point, Sean, and uh, about how it's in the, the larger zeitgeist and the tropes are already kind of known. But in order for you to pose these questions in an intelligent way and in a way that stirs thought, I think you have to still be inundated into it to some extent to allow for that conversation to be happening between the the reader and the the author. Yeah. Um, so after Alex gets this, uh, this android, the Tanaka X5, he provides it a name, Ada. And um, throughout volume one, it's sort of his interactions with with Ada being non-sentient and trying to sort of figure out what it is that he has to um, just sort of trying to figure out how he can live with this person uh, or this thing. And uh, so Alex goes uh, to this forum called Degrees of Freedom. And what he's looking for is essentially more information on making Ada something more than she is uh, at currently, right? She's trying to find that piece That'll make her, um, I, I guess, like uh, it'll give her that sparkle in her eye. You know, that something that that'll make it feel like she's actually there versus to what Sean said earlier. Um, like, oh, somebody who it's like, uh, oh, whatever you want. You know, like that's what you want to be doing. Um, it's somebody who can choose for themselves, which is something that is not programmed into these uh, robots. Yeah, it's a real Pete and Bessie. Uh... The robots are a real Pete and Bessie, not be able to think for themselves. Oh, damn. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Quick pot shot over at uh, um, Pete, who normally would be joining us here. So speaking of Pete, uh, Prime Intelligence is the uh, is the software that powers uh, these these robots um, or these these androids. 
Uh, it's also what powers a lot of the technology overall. It's sort of like the business end of um, the tech in this world. And um, there's essentially a, not a flaw, but a design within each of these androids that allows them to eventually become sentient. And at Degrees of Freedom, uh, Alex explores this option and decides to try it on Ada. Um, did you guys think that decision, the decision to make her something more in that moment was selfish? Oh, that's, yes. that's a great question. Yeah, go ahead, Sean. Yes, I do. And I'm so glad that we're, you know, having this conversation because I, you know, removing it from just Alex, his perspective, I think in general, it is selfish that an individual would want to give sentience to something that wasn't designed to have it and that didn't ask to have it. Now, you could make that an allegory for humanity and human beings bearing children. However, it's in our DNA to want to procreate because we need to keep society going. And so it's selfish, but it's selfish in a human sense, in the broader sense of keeping humanity in a, intact. In a life sense, because everything else right. re reproduces. Right. We have to preserve existence. And I think, but when you talk about androids you're talking about robots uh we don't have to do that that is an excess that is you know human beings playing god you're making a decision in a very you know sterile sense do i want to give this thing that already already exists the nightmare of you know freedom of choice or do or or not and i don't know that we should have those options and i do think it's inherently selfish to want to do that Phil, no, that was that was that was really good. Uh, in addition to that, it it's like that, it's like that. He th this character Alex also is. It's not just selfish from maybe a metaphysical standpoint, but it's also possibly selfish of Alex. Um, there's a line later in the book when he gets into an argument with Ada after she embraces him and he rejects her because she's a robot and he's uncomfortable by it, where someone says to him, uh, after he goes after her, are you trying to go after her to save her for her safety or to feel like you're a good guy because you rejected yeah. her? Mm -hmm. And it's a similar thing here. Why didn't he return her? He said it'd be, he felt like it'd be putting drowning a puppy. Um, so why is he giving her sentience? I guess he feels sorry for her is what he would say, but um, it feels like it's a purely selfish motive because this person, this robot that he's kind of, you know, by circumstance become partners with, he wants more out of her. And that's really it. Right. And and I had a big problem with that. But the other thing that I had a problem with, which is actually on the creators, I have to say, is they didn't present the other side of the argument, the side that we're sort of on, at, at all, really. Mm, the, only, the only negative element they presented of granting robots sentience is just they're the danger that they pose to humans but they never talk about why it would be bad to give that 
to something that was never meant to have that. There was no nuance there. Briefly, briefly, there was a part when they first gave Ada life where she's overwhelmed by the, you know, spectrum of emotions. Right. That's really... because I I love that moment. It was great, Mm -hmm. but the only time they, you know, propose that it's a bad idea is only to the safety of Ada saying that maybe she won't come out of this. Yeah. Right, but but again, it was presented as a risk worth taking. Yeah. That it was inherently yes. a good thing to do. Sort of like pulling people out of the Matrix. Like you have to do it even if it could result in their death or something bad for them because it's objectively right. Yeah. I, I, but you know what though? It's one of those things. This is both explored in Jurassic Park and also Blade Runner. Where it's one of those things that when you uncork the bottle, it, you can't put the cork back on. So once you give the robot sentience... The robots who are sentient will look at the robots who aren't sentient as inherently slaves because they belong to people and they want to liberate this population of people who can't make decisions for themselves. Right. And that's that's a fair point. I guess I just wish that there were humans who could have posited the other side of that coin. I feel like um, somebody mentioned that. I, I'm not recalling, but I, uh, I, I agree with you guys. I, I think that inherently it was a a selfish decision on alex's part and in in this second reading um i also noted that you know a lot of it was presented as uh this is the right thing to do this is for the right reasons and so on this on this second reading for me i sort of tried to view it from um like ada's point of view even though the story is focused on alex uh, which is like where that question came from And, and and obviously like you can you can tell that the consequences are real especially um, I think Phil, when you mentioned that she gets that full spread of like emotion and, and sensation and, and it's overwhelming, right? And she shuts into herself and that's sort of the risk. Um, but, and, and to your point, the, uh, the person who helps unlock Ada Franklin is on the side of, right. Hey, now that I'm awake, I'm trying to do this because this is my righteous sort of cause. Yeah. Right. Um, so I, I, I definitely appreciated that conversation and that moment of, well, we're doing it for these right reasons, but you're, Alex, you're doing it for your, some sort your, of ulterior motive. Your penis. Your peen. <laughs> um, and overall, I agree that was a, a good moment where you know she she's finally um, uh, what is it? Not unlocked. She liberated. Bro- liberated. She she's she's like she wakes up for the first time and she has uh an emotion an emotional response to the the sunrise she opens um, her eyes for the first time yes and i think that was also a just a really cool way to introduce you to the possibilities of ai in in the this story or at least where they will start to explore and a lot of that continues to get explored in the the second volume and specifically this is where you start to see alex and ada sort of touch you start to see that sort of tension that sexual tension um there's that romance there that starts to sort of develop and what did you guys and how do you guys feel about this idea of um humans and ai sort of copulating not in a necessarily like in a physical sense but in that emotional sense where alex is was trying to pull from and where ada's technically is still trying to discover that's a that's a heavy question because, you know, I, I'm inclined to say, oh, love is love, right? Mm-hmm. And um, just because 
she, look, she's sentient. She's she has a she is a person at that point. You know, I don't really know that you can argue against it. She's she's become a person, and she has feelings and emotions just like anyone else. And they could easily, you know, if you remove the the criticisms and judgment of society, they could easily coexist and have a natural relationship, minus the part where they can't have kids, um, and that's perfectly fine. But we don't exist like they don't get to exist in a vacuum. And in the real world, just like in the book, if that were to happen, there would be a lot of um, negative elements to that long term. If humans don't have to try to relate to one another and money isn't a barrier, then what is the reason to choose a human girl or a human male over a an android? Or a robot. And, and it happens in the book. What's her name? Ashley, right? Um, Isabel. Isabel. The, okay, so Isabel, the girl that likes Alex, that wants to go out with him, but he's too busy, you know, mourning his the loss of his relationship and then, you know, messing with Ada. She's frustrated that this guy won't pay her the time of day because he's messing with this robot. And I think that what she ultimately does sucks and she's a shit person in general. But I think that the, the 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 point that she's making or the point that you can extrapolate from the character is one worth talking about, which is what happens when human beings can just buy a they can buy a relationship with a, with a robot. They're going to love you. Well, not not inherently if they're sentient. Right. And that's sort of the, the risk that is in, in not necessarily the risk involved, but. That's the uh, something that can happen once you've woken somebody up in, in the sense that they, they have to also choose you. But I, I, I see what you're saying, like in, in the sense that you can purchase this um, non-sentient thing and it can still technically fill that void the same way it did for Alex's grandmother. Right, exa- exactly. And, and, and look, let's be real. Let's be real. There are a lot of people who aren't bad people or whatever that would just buy a robot, keep it non-sentient, and, and have that be their life partner. Yeah. That would absolutely happen. What would you guys do in this scenario where you're put in this, you're put in this situation where your grandmother buys you a, a robot companion and you have the option to A, return it, B, live with it, C, you know, go uh, into the deep web and awaken it and give it sentience, you know, whatever that means. In that kind of scenario where Alex is in, what do you two do? So, typically, questions like this, I have a hard time with just because since I'm not in the moment, it's hard to know. know. Yeah, but just to, you know, just to answer the question, I'm inclined to say that I would do what he did. Really? But... Yeah, even though, like I argued earlier, I do believe it is a selfish thing to do. Um, I've been lonely. And if I had the chance to have a real relationship, to make that happen for myself in that way, I think I would take it. Hmm. How about you, Marco? Um, This posits, of course, that neither of you are in long-term relationships, obviously. Yeah. 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 Uh, I I don't think that I would 
just because I'm. Well, what? Because would you keep well, it, or would you return it, or would yeah, you... yeah, I, like I, I would, I, I would, I would keep it because I think, based off of what we've seen in the book, also there's a sort of not a thin, not a thin line, but there's a an on-off switch to sentience to an extent in in the way that's presented in this book, and I don't think I would would like to have that responsibility of flipping it flicking it on i think if it was presented to me as an option like somebody came to me i wouldn't practically seek it but i think if somebody came to me it's like hey we're in the we're trying to awaken these these robots we're trying to give them this life i think i could be convinced then but i don't think in the moment i would practically do it so you're saying that you would not give it sentience you would just live with the robot i would just live with the robot as like a helper or something i i i gotta i gotta um answer this question again okay because i because i'm thinking about it more i'm thinking about how important having children is to me and growing old and those things are not possible it, it can't with age. a robot it can't age yeah that would i couldn't deal with that like the relationship probably wouldn't last and then what and that was again you know in this book that's something that we kind of become confronted by when Ada decides to go off on her own and, you know, now this dude is plagued with the thought of like, oh my God, you know, is she going to get found out? Is she going to die? You know, what's going to happen? She's not used to being in the world. And I don't want to be responsible for that if the relationship were to end. That's crazy. So I think I'm going to go back on my word there. How about you, Phil? Well, uh, that's an interesting question because... Um... It, that's like the that's like the premise of being a parent and turning your kids over to the world because every parent when their kid turns 18 or 22 if they go to college for four years or whatever what have you or it, 30 when they're married <laughs> they're gonna say when they move out of the basement <laughs> <laughs> um uh it's the idea that your child is inexperienced and they have to confront the you know scary world for the first time and in the book you know a big thing for her is that uh she's the subject of of prejudice because if certain people find out that she's out there they will murder her but let's presume that's not the case with her but it's it's the, it's the same thing you it's you're responsible in, in some ways for your child when they go into the world because it's a lot like at least 50 percent of you know how you raise them Obviously, nature purchases yeah. nurture, but like that nature part is you as a parent by a large degree. Um, me, I don't think I would want a robot. Uh, I've been lonely before too, of course. Um, I think that's a universal human emotion. But I don't. I, I'm the type of person that can't handle settling for anything. Um, <laughs> that's true. It's it's fucked up. Um, uh, literally fresh out of a relationship because I felt like I couldn't settle. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and I would have this robot, and she, she this, this robot would not be able to think for herself. Uh, and that would drive me insane. It would drive me absolutely insane because I would need to be pushed. I'd rather be yeah. lonely. But she, I would, but she can think for herself. In, in the beginning, she well, not out of the box, not out of the box. right. But I'm, talking... I'm assuming we're talking about sentience, right? Okay, but we're so... still talking in the in the context of like, would you give it? 
Okay, well, let's say I do, because maybe I would. I don't. I, I I don't know. That that's a situation I have to be confronted with in the moment, and I I I'd probably be selfish enough to think like if I got this robot and I knew there was an option that was, you know, very risky of giving this robot sentience, I would probably be so righteous in my own head. I'm already talking about my own flaws as a person that I'd be like, I need to liberate this robot. <laughs> right and that was my first thought too and i would probably do it even though it would mean i could possibly die or go to jail for 25 years which is what happens to alex i'd probably still do it because i'd be like i went to jail or i died for a just cause and I, every time we talk off air we always joke that phil's gonna be the first one to die because of something stupid like that <laughs> <laughs> choked um, out by his rubber his lover robot and i i, I would be able to live with a sentient robot partner that I developed this crazy bond with over uh, stressful, enduring circumstances, even if she left me when I got old and useless, I would still be like, well, life is short, and I enjoyed these 10 years with this robot lady. <laughs> and yeah. even if she can't procreate, I, I, I would like to have children, but I also recognize that uh, what life's weird. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so going back really quick to, um, something we touched upon, uh, Ada does go off onto her own and this is, uh, this is in the second volume in the midst of a recent FBI task force that is, um, trying to wrangle in, uh, these sentient robots essentially. And, and they're, they're out there, they're trying to find them because there's been an increase in, uh, sightings and, and people are questioning, um, whether or not this new company, prime intelligence has the capabilities. And in one of those moments, she actually, uh, Ada comes across one of these FBI agents, uh, with some of her friends that she meets in the degrees of freedom forum and they have to escape and they have to run. Um, in, in, in these, in these moments, how do you sort of perceive, um, uh, the judgment or the 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 hate that's i guess it it to an extent it's, a, it's sort of like a commentary on overall like changing times and and how people's thinking needs to needs to continue to update it not update needs to change based off of the times so how was that how did that story element play for you guys that there's danger around it's 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 just allegorical of of what you said change it's it's like the x-men thing where uh in real life people are worried about immigrants coming into the country and replacing their placing them in work or whatever um in the same way that people are worried that immigrants are going to come in this country and, and and hurt and murder and steal from people and to people in the same way they were thinking the same thing about robots um in the same way older people are worried about being superseded by their children it's it's just it's just a fear of the unknown. It's the fear of the, of the future. It's it's just it's it's how people react to things that they are not certain of, that they have no familiarity with, and that's that's kind of what it is. Were those repercussions believable? And um, were yeah, were they believable, Sean? Yeah, um, I think in, in in real life, just like the book, this is exactly what would happen in it, and unfortunately. It's typical of us as people, you know, we are fearful of everything new, you know, absolutely. If a baby was born that was blue, you know, people would be calling it the Antichrist, you know, it just, it doesn't matter what comes out, 
that's new. It's going to be something that people are. We had about. a president that was black that was being called the Antichrist. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Like I'm, you know, it's it's unbelievable um, how we are as people, and so this reaction felt pretty on point. In line with America. Yeah, well, with the world, quite frankly. True. And also, I'd like to point out that I did like the way that the book was able to present several, or at least I felt, several different points of view as to how humans would react. So, like, Isabel's reaction is different than, you know, the neighbor's reaction, which is different than um, the friends. Alex's workmate, the friend. You know, it's, they're all uh, different. Yeah. They're all presenting different perspectives on why they're afraid of robots or how they're negatively impacting their lives, which is all reflective of who those people are. Mm-hmm. Isabel is obviously insecure about her own life, her looks, her whatever, and she projects that onto Ada, you know, and so on and so forth. So I really like that they showed those things. I like the moments, and particularly with uh, one of Alex's friends, Teji who lost his leg in, in, in a war and is actually saved by a robot. And that shapes his perception of androids. Um, how, do you, how do you guys like feel about that? I thought that was a great counterpunch to you know, some of the other characters that we had seen. And he was, he was effectively used to present that other side, yeah. which we needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, but also projecting. He has a positive feeling about robots because a one saved his life and b this guy's got a robot leg so (laughs) what kind of what kind of hypocrite would he look like if he had a negative outlook on them so you know just like the world it's always a projection and it always comes from your experiences in life because everything's a simulation that's right sean we're all (laughs) technically robots in this greater simulation that we call life Listen, bro, I have gone so deep down the Matrix rabbit hole that there was a period of time where I believed that, so. That's fucking rad, Sean. (laughs) (laughs) Deja vu, watch out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, And in the second volume, this is also the moment where, uh, honestly, this is where this podcast has been leading up to, uh, where they fuck. Okay, now, Marco, uh, I want to explore your your sexual attraction to robots here. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... Now, well, robots the- are basically just vibrators. <laughs> sorry. Oh, I was going to say sorry, people, but I'm not going to go that far. Um, um, but no, like uh, the, the book ends with, or not the book ends, but the, this, this volume ends with uh, Alex and Ada sharing that physical relationship and, and, and that moment where after they've been separated, they come back together and it's a, it's a heartwarming moment. Um, and it's also one that, eventually leads into the uh the aftermath in volume three where and before we get into volume three i personally felt that this this book um at this point started to feel rushed i don't know if you guys felt that rush yes Hmm. i i okay so i like the fact that it was 15 issues on the outset because i thought it would it would be a nice little neat story but at the same time once we were in the thick of it, I was upset that it seemed to be moving towards its conclusion without giving us more time to live with these characters. Phil, did you feel anything? Yeah, um, I guess it was kind of rushed. I think in the first volume, you are really presented more with the implication of 
being able to project yourself onto Alex, right? Um, there's a whole part with all his friends come over and are like trying to interact with this robot, and everyone kind of seems like they have this connotation of like, oh, our friend has a sex robot now, but <laughs> <laughs> isn't that fucking weird? But as, as soon as they're presented with the implication that she's sentient, to Sean's point, there's a spectrum of reactions. Um, it it really rushes through her starting to experience the world to when Alex is arrested after she gets shot in the head. Mm-hmm. Uh, the chest. Chest. Yeah. <laughs> shot in the chest. Um, and even, it, like, I, I just finished the last issue before we did this episode, and the final panels, I was like, oh, that's it. Right. Like, it, it did feel kind of sprung on. It, it actually felt like it was paced like a movie rather than a comic book in the sense that movies have a responsibility to be tight because of, you know, hey, it's only an hour and a half or whatever. Audience expectations. Exactly. And I know that the comic book uh, was originally going to be 12, but they had some wiggle room just in case they got more time. And they use that time, but it doesn't feel like they use that time. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It, it it it's fifteen issues, but it feels like a lot less than that. And I I personally feel like you could have either packed more into these issues, or it really could have been a couple more. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like there there was definitely room to to play in this world, and it it it's it felt like um, I'm gonna let that pass. Uh, it it felt like she was trying to tell the story, which I appreciated. But at the same time, I felt there was a a real advantage and to to be able to play in this story and continue to bring up these these questions and and explore the the sentience even more beyond where we have what we had seen already, um, which to me felt uh, I, I was fine with the story, but I, I I was left wanting more. I think, which is sort of a good thing. But it, it, in the way it wraps up, I think it was too quick i don't think that is a good thing wanting more from something that isn't going to be giving you more but i i feel like there was there was uh opportunity missed that that's 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 the bad part is mm. that there was opportunity lost yeah I'm, I'm with that i think i think there was a missed opportunity to add more depth to this um i understand why alex and ada were attached to each other for sure. But when you really look at how much time they spent together, it wasn't that long from her awakening to her being shot. And so the idea that he waited 25 years to see her again is cute, but... Well, he wasn't given know. much choice. <laughs> well, yeah, but it was just like the first thing he wanted to do when he got back. And like it was, he was so obsessed with this idea well you know what this is a guy who fixates on shit clearly so you know he is obsessed with claire his ex-girlfriend for seven months and as soon as she comes back in his life or whatever he's like yeah dude i'm over you i got a robot girl now (laughs) um (laughs) we'd explain that to like uh, an ex is like nah it's cool i have a sex role right now we're fine yeah exactly and and um 
so while he's in jail, he's got nothing else to think about because he's incarcerated. So I, I can believe that this is what he cares about. But I'll tell you one thing. I had a such an I said I had such a pessimistic perspective on this as while they were embracing in the second volume, I kept thinking like this is this 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 new life is just trying to experience everything, all the riches of what being alive on earth is like and so when she kisses him and wants to fuck my thought was like she's using him because she just wants to experience shit damn yeah that I, fucked up i had a really negative perception of it well glad it didn't end up that way so wrapping up the third volume uh this is where we get into the consequences of alex bringing ada into bringing ada, ada alive essentially right where they're cracking down on the law. They're cracking down on, on these sentient uh, forums. They are able to actually get pieces of information that lead them back to Alex and uh, Ada partially. And uh, to what I think Sean alluded to earlier, uh, Isabel was actually the, the main cause of why they, they uh, the FBI later raided his house. Right. But... Um, Throughout the end, it's sort of them just on the run. And this is the, the part for me that felt rushed where they were just kind of constantly moving. And a lot of that more thoughtful conversation wasn't necessarily had. Uh, and it ends essentially in a police chase. Uh, Alex, Ada run off onto a beach. Uh, they're trying to make it to a boat. And Alex, uh, I mean, Ada is shot and she dies essentially. The ending uh, of this reminds me of the ending to what we read a few months ago, which is four kids walk into a bank. Yeah. Oh. Because it's yeah. like a rushed climax where the main character goes to jail and then they go out of jail. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, now that you mention it, sure. And uh, as uh, as Phil mentioned, you know, it twenty five years pass right because this is his sentence. Uh, he's sentenced on obstruction of justice on aggravated. Uh, like escape I guess he is not charged with anything with regards to sentience so he's I guess able to hide that fact and, and they, they he wasn't charged in that which would have been I think they mentioned another 25 years so he would have been there for 50 and during all this time he's able to see how perceptions in, in the world change and um, did you guys find that frustrating at all to see to be to see him trapped and to just see the world sort of go on and then ultimately change to where the problem that he had only a couple of years ago wouldn't have been a problem? And do you think that that time is uh, believable? That time that, that, that time jump and to allow that change to happen? I have, I have an opinion on this that is based on civil rights. Okay. Because... There have been, you know, there, there have been instances of, you know, of course, we're talking about a while ago, but, um, you know, black men and white women, you know, being in, in an interracial relationship and being arrested on that, you know, and, and doing whatever amount of time they did. And, you know, just it just sort of existing in the wrong the wrong time for what it is that you want to do and then having to spend all that time in jail as the world evolves around you to where now that's not as big of a deal or you could look at like drug laws and how those have changed and how there are many 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 incarcerated minorities who are doing time for something that nowadays is not that big of a deal you know you got you got guys that are in jail for like 
you know, less weed, uh, like they're in jail for less weed that you could buy at a store in Portland right now, you know, and that's ridiculous. And, you know, those laws need to change, but, um, that's what I liken it to. And so I'm not frustrated in the sense that I was annoyed, um, that he had to spend all that time in prison because that's what would happen in real life. Um, because quite frankly, our, our system is so broken that they would leave someone in jail, even if he, you know, the thing he did isn't even a crime anymore, but I was frustrated. And, and again, it's like that four kids thing where just, okay, time's passed and everything's and, better. Yeah. And we're just here now and everything's, you know, better and whatever. Um, the reality is the march of social progress is a gradual one. Uh, the last state to legalize interracial marriage was in the year 2000. And it was fucking Alabama. Shout out to Alabama. Yeah, yeah, it was in the news right now for a lot of reasons. Um, as Sean mentioned, our incarceration is racially imbalanced as fuck. And um, I don't imagine that the march of progress towards something like this wouldn't happen in 25 years um i think it would probably take a lot longer um but i think it was just a lazy exposition way of kind of letting the character get out of jail and be reunited with ada and it was probably an optimistic outlook honestly it was probably the the creative team is probably just being optimistic about their perception of how the march of progress actually happens um because idealistically, you would want things to progress that quickly. So, mm. yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, for me, it was frustrating just because you do have to sit there um, and and kind of just just let the world move on, and you're in that sort of stagnant place. And that I think was you know frustrating for me. You're passively but, uh, watching things change, I guess. Yeah, uh, but I agree with you guys. Uh, this wrapped up quick. And it also it also just wrapped up cleanly, which um, to your point, Phil, I, I think it was sort of that more positive outlook, which I which I appreciate. But uh, I, I think I would have maybe enjoyed a little more of a of a tragic ending, in in, in the sense that you know this we had just uh, seen Alex come out and he's been out for or out of this world for 25 years Ada's in a box like I I think that it was too easy of an end maybe we're all in a well, box also, man damn man <laughs> also everyone's alive still you know yeah. all his friends are good you know everyone finds themselves in a good place the robots that he associated with managed to avoid any kind of you know, prosecution or consequence for their actions for 25 years, which is a really, really long time to go under the radar, although we understand that at some point things, they get better. Mm -hmm. But my goodness, you know, yeah. um, how, how lucky are these individuals and how lucky that they happen to be his friends who can help him out as soon as he gets out of prison. Yeah, the, the only real consequence is all the stuff that happened to Alex in prison. And with that, no. Um, <laughs> so my last question to you guys is: What was one of your favorite questions posed? Um, uh, are you hungry? <laughs> 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 you need a sandwich, Ada. 
<laughs> I don't <What>? like oranges. <laughs> what? It, with respect to the conversation, Phil. <laughs> I understand. You're going to throw a, a broad-ass question to me? I'm going to throw back some bullshit. <laughs> My favorite question posed, uh, I think it's, I mean, it's really the age-old question of, you know, is it right or wrong for human beings to create AI? And, to, I mean, you know, to give it uh, sentience, which I think those two questions go hand in hand because I personally believe that once artificial intelligence exists and is usable by the masses and not like some janky shit, that it is inevitable that we will find a way to give them sentience. And it scares me to death that I understand as I think technology or as I think a lot of these shows and books and comics and movies have shown us that once we can do it, we will not not do it, that it will happen and we will have the same kinds of problems that the people in this world do. So in some ways, I understand why it's a romance. But I also look at it as, as a cautionary tale. It's a true horror story as we, the Promethean versions of ourselves, steal fire from the heavens and mold clay <laughs> into man. <laughs> I, I feel like you had to mention the Prometheus thing at some point, right, in this episode? But, um... Um... I like I like the interpersonal questions of what it'd be like to A, live with a robot, and B, live with a recently realized sentient robot that passed the Turing test. Because I guess at the end of the day, there's a, there's a broader question that was asked in the Next Generation episode of Star Trek where they tried to determine whether or not Data is a sentient person because someone wants to re, recreate an entire you know, society of data is to work on every starship. And then it becomes a question of like, well, are we at that point enslaving the robot men and that whole moral implication. And that's the question that rises from creating robots and presumably giving them sentience is how do they then interact with our society? And that's the whole fear of this book. And I, always enjoy that kind of implication for me um it was it was the 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 attraction part Uh, honestly no honestly it was (laughs) like uh, it was the the attraction portion it was like how do you identify this person and then how is that person who identifies as something else uh receive and provide love right like how do you give and, and and receive that love even though it isn't something that you have familiarity with right at one point one of the the friends um, at Zelda, she's somebody who is able to transform these AI's bodies. They they can be whatever they want. Uh, there was a really good question on like sometimes you know you're provided um, a body that you didn't necessarily want, right? Which is obviously the uh, the trans argument. There's the um, whether or not you know in in that moment if you can even consider like let's say. To, to AI who do happen to fall in love is that lebi- is that um, like being lesbians let's say right like is that a conversation or are you just the AI like where does that start and where does that end and I think those are the the conversations that intrigue me is 
where does it, there's no like line, right? That necessarily delineates it. It's just about where you draw it. And I think it's so funny that you say that because when you apply the, when you apply that logic to robots, it seems so much cleaner than it does when we're talking about humans for whatever reason. Like who would care if two, you know, robot women wanted to be in a relationship? You know, no one. Um, I don't, and, I don't and, know. Maybe they would. <laughs> People care maybe, about shit but like, like that. <laughs> but, 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 when you, but when you talk about robots, because there's no – because they're not human, you can – you can remove yourself on some level from the question of whether or not it matters. You're now you're no longer talking about if it affects uh, our ability to procreate or not. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff that comes out of the conversation, and I think that it's so funny that, like Marco said, it's just about where you draw that line. It literally is that when you're talking about humans mm-hmm. too. Yep, exactly. Yeah. People say like, oh, "What's next?" Uh, uh, you know, they say, "Oh, if we, if we let people marry the same sex, what's next? People are gonna marry animals, right? Or people are gonna marry robots, right?" Uh, There's a great episode of Futurama where uh, Bender dates Amy, and everyone has that same kind of implication, like, "Oh, it's gross. You can't do that. You can't cross those lines." Right. It's real life culture. Um- before we jump into the art really quick, I want to just read my favorite line of this book, okay? Very good. Are you two lovers? As much as we can be, given my anatomy. Aldous is being modest. He's very good with his hands. I can vibrate. <laughs> Yo, that was the best that line. Was, yeah, that was pretty All funny. All right, everyone. Uh, next, next month, we'll have a new book club for you. No, 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 no. Art. You got to talk about the art. Phil, you start. All right, so the art was done by Sarah Vaughn, right? Uh, Jonathan Luna. Oh, it's the other way around. Yeah, he's just he's just credited yeah. first because I think he came came up with the idea. That's cool. Yes, and I think he was also like the more prominent individual in terms of like star power, uh, notoriety. Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. Well, I was gonna make a joke about a, a jazz singer named Sarah Vaughn, but that's fine. Uh, all right, the art. Um, it it was pretty good. I thought it was a little static at times, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot of sameness in the looks of the characters, like features and stuff. Um, but I don't think that was necessarily uh that bad. Um, it 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 kind of had a look of an image book, and that's okay. Um. I, I I liked some of the details of the scenery, like when they go in the deep web to go in the forum. I thought that looked really creative and interesting. Um, yeah, I, I I don't think the art's really the vessel that carries this here. I think it's really more the the concept, if anything. So I I read online uh, just you know some opinions about the book and. Uh, People expressed feeling that the art was too basic yes. and too plain, and uh, I get it. But I actually think that 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 that's probably the way a book like this ought to look, because I always think about robots as being very clean, yes. sterile, you know. And I think that 
um, um, Jonathan was able to bring that to this book through his his very you know plain and basic. Even his layouts are very you know sort of normal. He played it straight um, all the way through, at least as far as I can recall right yeah, now. No complicated panels. Um, mostly yeah, like three to five and per page. Right. And I think, you know, you're talking about an image book and a lot of times uh, that happens in image books, which is perfectly fine. Um, But also you're talking about a book that is meant to portray something very specific in particular. And it's more about the character interactions and whether you like it or not, um, Jonathan Luna is not the star of this show. His art is not the star of the show. It's a vehicle. Um, for Sarah to really tell the story. Um, but I think that what Jonathan brings to the table is awesome for the book that we're reading. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. I think it's, uh, it is static, but I think I appreciated it because the story is around the, that's what the story is about, right? It's about, uh, AI. It's about robots. It's about that to what you said. It's very clean, right? It, it evokes that feeling of staticness, staticness. Is that a word? It works. Because um, that's just essentially what you're dealing with, right? Numbers and, and, and shapes and sizes, and that's it, right? The the movement part is the part that makes it feel human, and that's not what you're trying to portray necessarily through the art, right? It's not dynamic because of that. And I, I think I appreciated it. I, I appreciated it because of that. I do agree it is simple, but to your point, it's supposed to just convey, be that vehicle for the story. And I, a, a reason why I think it really, the simplicity is fine, Um mm-hmm is it's a book about domestic life in a way. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Like it doesn't need to be over the top. Mm-hmm. Totally. Absolutely. And um, we interviewed Tyler Crook and he was talking about how um, a lot of comics have gotten in it, uh, inaccessible due to like their crazy paneling and stuff like that. Alex and Luna or Alex and Luna, <laughs> Alex and Ada strikes me as the kind of book that could easily be someone's first, second, third comic mm-hmm. that they've ever read because it's outside of the superhero, you know, machine. And I could see this being recommended a lot to different kinds of people than might typically read comics. And so for that reason, having a very clean um, uh, presentation helps you to jump into it when you are new and it also helps you to digest the information because you have to read and look at the art and and, and this cleanness also makes it kind of feel like a treatment for a screenplay sure like storyboards Mm -hmm. absolutely like i said i think this this works really well a lot more if it's a movie Mm mm-hmm I, I did appreciate that sometimes a lot more of the the dynamic nature action happens in the background. It's not in within the characters. Like Otto's always jumping around, the, the little robot helper. He's always moving around, doing stuff. But Alex and Ada could be in the same positions conversing, but he's floating around. There's the TV on in the background. There's there's stuff around them in, in the world, but them the, themselves aren't the ones that are making those movements. Right. Honestly, Marco, I read this book and I was like, Alex could be Marco. He yeah, dude. He's put in this awkward situation where he gets this robot and he doesn't want to fuck it right away because he feels super uncomfortable. And I don't know. 
uh, you having a little robot friend named Otto too. Like it, I felt like this could have been this could have been you. Yeah, I have to. Um, I have to get to know my robot before I can do that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, closing out. Um, what did you guys rate this, and would you recommend it? Um, uh, like, what do you mean rate it? On a ten scale? Uh, off a of fill scale, if you want. Shit. All right, I give it. Uh, I have seven letters in my first name, so I give it <laughs> a filler out of filler. <laughs> so no P at the wow. end, but it's. You know what? You don't always need the P at the end, so. So six out of seven. Yeah. No. Honestly, it's probably more like a. I would give this book a B minus. Um, so I guess like uh seven point nine out of ten or whatever. Alright. Um, it was good. I really liked it. I'm glad you made me read it, Marco. I uh appreciate when you make me read things that I wouldn't read under my own, just because I'm a busy, busy boy. Um, and you usually make me read things that I do not regret reading afterwards. I appreciate that. Yes. I was very afraid that this was going to be a, you know, slice of life, regular, generic comic. Come on, Sean. No, no, I dude, I didn't, I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know what to expect, and when I, Darren, it was, I, it kind of was, it kind of was. <laughs> eh, no, I, it had so much. I feel like, like I got so much more out of it than that, and I'm glad that I did, and I'm glad that I read this. Um, this is so up my alley that, um, you, you know, like I'm just really appreciative of this book, and. Um, would I recommend it, which is typically the bar here? Um, that I would say yes to, but not if, like, if a person was just like, oh, I just feel like reading a comic book, so tell me which one to read. There are probably quite a few that I'd get to before this. But this wouldn't be too far away from, like, maybe the top 10 things that I would bring up. Um, so it really depends on the person, not because this is bad or hard to read or anything like that. I just don't know that this is the thing you're going to present to someone and go, wow, I really like comic books now. Yeah, okay. I'd recommend this. I forgot to say that. I'd recommend this to pretty much anyone. I don't think it's inaccessible, and I think most people would get something out of it. Um, I definitely think Sean would have rated this book higher if it had Talking Gorillas. <laughs> well, my fascination with Talking Gorillas is on a similar scale to my obsession with uh, androids. So I'm, what did I'm, you... I'm, I'm working on a book. Sorry, letting the cat out of the bag here, but I'm working on a book right now where it's a dystopian future of talking gorillas versus androids who fuck men. Mm. Sweet. <laughs> Sweet, Sean, fem, what did you, what did fem, you rank? Fembot androids. <laughs> what, did, what did you rank it? Or what did you give it? Uh, uh, on a 10 scale, I'll give it an 8.5. Oh, all right. Yeah, um, I'd give it uh, about that, an 8. Um, and I think this was a really cool book for me, um, one that I definitely wanted to share with you guys. And uh, I, I just had fun with it. And it's something that I actually want to share with uh, Mariana, who isn't somebody who uh, reads she comics. Is a robot? She's not a robot, thankfully. Um, I can, I'll have to do a double check, but like sh as it stands, no. <laughs> um, gonna, now tell me, answer me this and for our audience too. How would you find out whether or not she's a robot? You ask her. That, she could be lying, dude. 
Well, I I guess I just have to trust her, right? Oh, okay. All right. If she was, would that be an issue? Nah. <laughs> All right. Hasn't been in- Marco has Alex confirmed. <laughs> there you go, folks. With with the uh, with the auto and everything. That's right. That's your cat. Nice. Oh my god! It's the cat. The the little goblin prince. So, uh, thank you guys for joining us on another installment of this this was a lot of fun the book club is always a cool way to explore books that we don't necessarily get to um, yeah what a good cast too we left all the dead weight out yeah i i, I didn't really want to like mention them just because there was they they played parts to the story but i think i i, I just wanted to focus on like alex and ada like the, they were sort of ancillary to <laughs> no you dumbass i'm talking about our supporting cast <laughs> oh shit my fault whoops oh man that's hilarious we're the three leading characters and the rest are just that the rest the ancillary (laughs) characters the ancillary characters that's right (laughs) you Uh, dumb fuck (laughs) so uh if you uh if you want to hear more from us uh you can follow us at the comics pals on twitter instagram facebook we have uh we're on soundcloud itunes spotify Come hit us with those requests. Come hit us with those questions. Let us know if you like this book. What was your favorite part? What was your favorite piece of discussion from this? I would love to have that conversation with you. Uh, and for anybody who's read, who wants to read more into this sort of stuff, uh, Sean, I know you, this is up your alley if you're hungry for more. Transmetropolitan is a, a cool, really cool book. Uh, Warren Ellis, um, and I'm forgetting the artist. I'm sorry. Um, Planetarium, actually, which oh, yeah. is a, a book that I... Uh, posted or we posted uh, a couple months back but it's essentially any book by chance wyatt or another one that explores ai through a different capacity through animals actually um so if you're interested in that there is a talking gorilla sean um so that might be a book for you uh and for anybody else so thank you guys again and we'll see you next time take care guys we don't see things as they are we see them as we are (laughs) 